Parish, it's Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017. Welcome back to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander here with me, and this is the second of three podcasts uh, we're going to be doing this week, which is uh, my way of reminding you that we're doing three podcasts a week now. The days are going to vary based on the weekend, the developments, and our schedules, but we are now doing three podcasts every week. That's a contractually obligated promise from me to you. So please subscribe via iTunes, rate it favorably, and continue to write great things about me in the comments. Five stars. And great things about me, that's what I'm looking for when I pop over to iTunes. Big news in the world of college basketball on Tuesday afternoon. Michael Porter Jr., uh, the five-star freshman from Missouri, uh, had back surgery uh, yesterday in Dallas and is expected to miss the remainder of the 2017-18 college basketball season, which means that uh, barring a surprise decision, his college career will end with two minutes Played. Uh, as you wrote, Norlander, uh, obviously uh, rough news for Michael and his family, for Missouri, for the SEC, but also just for college basketball in general because though folks get into a habit of debating the one-and-done rule, and we spent some time on it uh, on this podcast recently, if you're looking for one of the positives of it, it's that it does uh, not force but certainly guide Uh, unique talents, um, incredibly gifted young people into college basketball, at least for a year. Michael Porter Jr. was one of those guys, and uh, we won't get to see him. You know, his college career is going to be two minutes. He's one and one from the field, and um, just a a rough situation because, you know, they sold out that building at Missouri. They were looking forward to the Michael Porter era, even if it was only going to last a few months, and now it, uh, it only lasts a few minutes. Yeah, see, college basketball, has, for the past decade, essentially, there are you know, a few things that help push uh, the greater discussion of the sport in a mainstream realm uh, from the start of the season till the end. Obviously, the NCAA tournament's a big thing. Uh, you know, surprise teams in one way or another. Usually there are veteran players, two, three, four, five in a given year uh, that command a lot of attention. Uh, we'll do that again this season with... Guys like Grayson Allen, perhaps Bonzi Colson. We'll get to that Notre Dame-Wichita State uh, preview that's happening later on Wednesday in a little bit here. But it's undeniable that the uh, one of the biggest elements of college basketball's coverage, uh, particularly in the lead-up to the season and to the start of the season, uh, is the freshmen. Because we have had so many NBA, NBA-ready players uh, come into the sport. And... When you don't lose, when you lose Michael Porter, it, it hurts college basketball. It's not, you know, it's not a damaging, like, you know, just totally distressing blow, but it's a huge bummer. And yeah, I'm I've been waiting for Missouri to be interesting and frankly good for a long time with Porter. There was the prospect of that. He was also a, a really intriguing, fun player to watch. So we're gonna be robbed of that. That stinks. With Missouri fans, I I, I totally feel for Tigers fans right now. Um. Pat Forty sent out a tweet on Tuesday night that uh, put the Porter injury atop, I guess, what is now a Mount Rushmore of uh, bad luck as it as it uh, pertains to Missouri's uh, sports history over the years. And it was the uh, the fifth down, I guess that was against Nebraska in like 90, 91, 92. Um, there was uh, 
the flea flicker play. There was something else. He didn't even list Missouri losing to Norfolk State as a two seed a few years back. Uh, and not only just losing, but Norfolk State like definitively winning that game. Um, Tigers fans have taken on a lot of bad luck over the years. You can make the case that Missouri is the best program to never make a Final Four. Uh, it's right there, essentially with Xavier. I think it's it's either or at this point, one of those two. And you you go through this hellish, dark period for three years with Kim Anderson. You average nine wins a season. And then you fire your coach. You get Conzo Martin. Washington fires its coach despite the fact it's bringing in a really good class. You think, oh, wow. For the first time ever, we have like arguably the best high school prospect in our backyard. He's actually going to leave where he was going to play. After he spurned us, he's going to come home. We're going to be good. At the very least, we're going to be like a top 40 team. We're going to be so much better. We should get into the NCAA tournament, and we're going to have this one year at the very least. Even though like no one expected Porter to win a national championship or anything, he could mean to that school what Carmelo still means to Syracuse just in, by, the, by nature of being a, a, a one-year player who just came in and, and completely gave a memorable season. Even in Missouri, he had a fully healthy season with Porter. They made a. They won one NCAA tournament game, finished top five in the SEC, and he was awesome. I still think he would be forever lauded in that area. Instead, you get totally jobbed of that. Tigers fans have to be feeling, you know, why us? Why? Why could we not just enjoy one thing? And it's 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 kind of freaky this whole chaos here that's gone into effect because, you know, who knows? Maybe Porter gets injured one way or another if he never goes to Missouri. But uh, but but Washington firing Lorenzo Romar put Michael Porter on a path to Missouri where one one way or another he got he got injured and now uh, will not get to play college basketball if uh, if there is an alternative universe out there um, where Romar wasn't fired and Porter is still in Washington I wonder if he has a uh, has a good season at uh, with the Huskies and they wind up actually being pretty decent and Mike Hopkins is still back in Syracuse so it's it's funky how that all worked out but it does suck he's not definitely out GP He's out three to four months. He's not definitely done his college career. I think that he will be done. I can't see him playing uh, primarily because the the fastest he'd return three months is February 21. Um, Would he really be advised to play by his family? Dad's obviously on the coaching staff. By his representatives looking out for his NBA interest? I don't think so, particularly with a back injury because those can be obviously very, very tricky, very worrisome. Um, so I think that he is done. I will say it would be an amazing story. I'd love to be able to watch it and to be able to write it and get to talk about it on this podcast. If Missouri winds up being pretty decent, uh, regardless, which they still have a chance by the way, but they only beat Emporia state, a D two team by five points the other night without Porter. That was at home. Uh, and they weren't competitive on the road against Utah without him. But if they get, end up being good GP and they get into the tournament and Porter said, you know, he's, he's cleared as of like February 27 and then. March 8, March 9, March 10 comes around. He gives it a go, and he's actually like playing for them in the tournament. That'd be awesome. That's what I'm rooting for, but I'm by no means expecting that to happen. Well, it is true that Missouri did not say he's definitively out for the season. They said he's expected to miss the rest of the season. So they've left that window open a little bit. Ultimately, I was asked about this yesterday. I'll leave it up to the doctors. I'm not going to sit here on November 22nd and say, yeah, Michael Porter is – is uh, cleared to play in late February. He should come back and, and participate in the NCAA tournament if Missouri has an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm going to let the doctors and his parents and, and Michael and Conzo make that decision. It's impossible for any of us to um, even try to pretend uh, what condition he's going to be in and, and, and the seriousness of this injury because 
you know, in sports, we get so used to certain phrases, torn ACL, sprain meniscus, high ankle sprain, uh, fractured metatarsal. Um, uh, this, you know, L3, L4 spinal disc is not something we usually talk about. I, I don't know um, if this is the type of thing that, hey, you're, 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 you're cleared in four months and you're ready to go. I, who knows? So we'll see. But um, I, I guess that window will remain open at least for a little while. Uh, though, uh, you know, I, I don't believe at this point anybody is, is planning on him uh, playing another minute of college basketball uh, this season. It's going to be asked, does he come back for next year? Like, he doesn't want to leave his college career just like this, does he? Um, I, I would say the opposite is true. This doesn't make you want to come back and do another year of college if you're Michael Porter Jr. because you don't want to leave your college career so incomplete. It, it, it scares you into go ahead and entering the NBA draft, particularly if you know, NBA people are still telling you you're going to be a top five pick, which I, I imagine he's, he's still a top 10 pick almost no matter what. Like if, unless the... Uh, unless he gets completely red flagged medically, which almost never happens because of an injury. Like it, 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 when that happens, it's because of like, there's something crazy wrong with your knee or there's something irregular about your heartbeat. Um, like something like this, a surgically repaired back. Um, it doesn't usually lead to you getting completely red flagged. So I, I don't think that'll be the case, which means I do think he'll be a, top five top, top 10 top pick. pick and if he's and those if, things you know why do you come back and risk getting hurt again um as opposed to going ahead and and taking the millions of dollars and getting on with your your pro career so i would i would suspect um that he's he's done this season and he's he's also done uh for his his college <laughs> career um missouri can still be good and he can still have a legacy um because I don't think he was going to be for Missouri what Carmelo was for Syracuse because Carmelo is the thing that got Jim Beheim a national championship. And I know you didn't um, suggest that, but um, I, I think he could be what Kevin Durant was for Texas and what you know Michael Beasley was for Kansas State. And, uh, you know, just just somebody who put up incredible numbers in one season and also put a program on the national radar. Even if he never plays another minute for Missouri, he's already made a big difference for that program. Created headlines, sold season tickets. I don't know if Jonte's there, if Michael's not there, because if Michael doesn't exist, I don't know that Conzo hires the dad. I don't know that you hire the dad just to get Jonte. So uh, without Michael Porter, Jonte Porter's probably not on campus for a couple years. Um, Jeremiah Tillman's probably not on campus, or at least possibly not on campus. So, assuming that Conzo gets this thing turned around, and I think he's probably already got it turned around, um, I think you'll be able to look back and reasonably say Michael Porter Jr. played a big role in the, the rebuilding of Missouri, even if Michael Porter Jr. only plays two minutes at Missouri. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, and it's, it, is, it could be a really interesting legacy, the two-minute college career, I, I do believe that Porter will have to have uh, set a record here in being the only college starter 
<laughs> the the only call started to have a, a career this short GP. I could I can't think of anyone else that could have possibly. There have been as many people pointed out on Twitter to me. There have been plenty of team managers over the years that probably got one minute of burn in the final home game. Okay, you know, in garbage time or whatever. But I don't think there's ever been a player that started a college game and had it and will have had a shorter career than Porter if in fact he never ends up coming back and playing for the Tigers again. That's a really funky, interesting thing. I do think. His impact, as you're saying, though, in getting uh, Jonte on campus, Jeremiah Tillman uh, coming over, it, it definitely will have other effects, um, and we'll see how those players are able to adapt now. It's one thing to play without Michael when he's injured. Perhaps behind the scenes they suspected he'd be out longer than the public really knew. I will note that this was initially uh, it was a curiosity with a hip, then it was wonderment with a leg, and now it's outright depression over a back. Um, the fact that this injury uh, moved about, um, not a good thing. Um, and I uh, totally understandable, by the way, that uh, this uh, L3 and L4 uh, surgery that he's going to need, like Missouri, you know, they wanted to make sure everything was, uh, you know, completely known that the, that the issue, what, what he was dealing with before giving out too much more information. I can't fault Missouri for that, but this, this, blindsides everyone i mean particularly the, the fan base there um well yeah. it, it also it also underlines what we talked about i think last late last week which is one of the things i said on this podcast was uh, the reason they're being vague about this injury and his status wasn't because i thought they were intentionally being vague as much as they didn't know they didn't know what was wrong with him and i don't think they found my understanding is um, having talked to some people, I don't think they understood what was wrong with him completely until he met with a specialist on Monday. The reason they were so vague last week, and it is because they they were baffled. They 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 really did think it was a hip thing at the beginning. Then they really did think it was a leg thing, and they didn't find out it was a back thing. My understanding is until he met with a specialist on Monday. So um, while the the public was was blindsided by this on Tuesday afternoon. Um, it is also true that Missouri, I believe, was blindsided by this. Michael was blindsided by this on Monday after they met with that specialist. They were not expecting to hear, you have a back issue that requires surgery and you're going to miss, likely, the remainder of the season. I don't think that's what they – I don't think they thought that was going to be the case, say, this time last week. All right, let's uh, – we'll wrap up Missouri with this. Now, what is what is reasonable for Tigers fans to expect with this team? Let's – Let's just say Porter does not play again. Um, to me, a, I think he he was so important to the roster and so talented. Uh, I, to me, this takes off expecting getting to the NCAA tournament. Take that off the table here. Be be good. Hope that you're in that discussion heading into the SEC tournament where you're a bubble team. Hopefully, maybe you need one, two, three wins to get in. I think that's got to be your area of expectation. Now, others will say, no, we still have enough talent. We should absolutely be in the tournament this season. We'll remind those people, even though there are new factors with coaching and and players on the roster, this team won nine games last year. What's your thoughts? I thought that they were a borderline, you know, NCAA tournament team with Michael Porter. Like, it's just very hard to go from as bad as they were to great without, like, multiple lottery picks. And they didn't have multiple lottery picks. They had one. Uh, now, he was awesome, and he was going to be awesome. Um, but I still thought that they were somewhere, maybe borderline NCAA tournament teams a little low, but I, I thought they were somewhere between a top 30 team and a bubble team. 
And so you remove Michael from that, I think they would have to overachieve to make the NCAA tournament. I, it doesn't mean that it's impossible or even like crazy to suggest that it will happen. But I'd be surprised. I guess I'll put it that way. I'll be surprised if Missouri is in the NCAA tournament. I'll root for Missouri to get to the NCAA tournament because um, it is crushing for that fan base. Like, I've been hearing from Missouri fans this offseason as much as I heard from any fan base in America. Like, Kentucky fans, Duke fans. uh, Like, when you are Duke and you enroll Marvin Bagley and you're ranked number one, obviously excited about the season. When you are Wichita State and – uh, ranked preseason top 10, moving in the American Athletic Conference. As a fan of that school, you're excited about the season. And I know Missouri wasn't either one of those things, but they had been so bad under Kim Anderson that there was finally some hope, like some real excitement. Like, I can't wait for this season to get underway. I can't wait to see Michael Porter Jr. And two minutes in, it, it's over? Like, it, it's not quite the same thing because you look at the Boston Celtics now and they're awesome. But remember how deflating it was on opening night? Like just a few minutes into the season, this season where maybe you unseat LeBron James. And then then Gordon Hayward, like he he, he breaks his body. He's just lying there. And it was like, oh, man. Now, listen, they're fine. Like the Celtics still look like they're going to go to the NBA Finals unless LeBron's team turns into something different than what it is right now. But to have all of – that enthusiasm and excitement built up, built up, built up through the offseason and then just have it ripped away so quickly. Um, I, I genuinely do feel for those, for, for, the, for that fan base because they weren't just active on social media. They were active at the ticket office. Like they were ready to go. Not every SEC basketball program fills up its arena, even when it's supposed to have a good team. Mizzou fans were ready to fill up this arena based on hope and that hope to be ripped away. Um, yeah, it, it stinks. Um, yeah, speaking of ticket offices, oh, by the way, people don't really have to deal with those so much anymore. Why is that, GP? Well, Norlander, let me tell you about SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. That's what I've learned over the years, thanks to SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. That's all it takes, two taps, and you're going to get the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. It saves you time, saves you money. And the reason it's going to be able to do that is because it's searching multiple ticket sites for you. You don't have to do that anymore. Norlander, you know as well as I do, once upon a time, we'd have to search one ticket site, then another ticket site, then another ticket site, then another ticket site. We're comparing and contrasting, making sure we're not getting ripped off. No more. Those days are over. Thanks to SeatGeek. They're going to search it for you, get you the best price and the best deal. So... Next time you're buying tickets to, yeah, basketball game, but also a football game, concert, anything, go to SeatGeek. Get that app. Download it to your phone. And remember to use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB because what that's going to do is get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. COLLEGEBB is the promo code. Make sure to use it on your phone. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. Baylor's off to a good start again, Norlander. Baylor's looking nice. They had a, a nice little uh, duel there on Tuesday night with Creighton, a Creighton team that was coming off its second win versus a ranked team, consecutive win. That was actually the first time, surprisingly, Creighton had never won back-to-back games 
in program history against ranked teams, trying to go for three in a row with a little bit of a tough, tough task, but they look good. Uh, Kyrie Thomas is just one hell of a player, man. Uh, him and Marcus Foster make for a great duo. But Baylor, with a bunch of dudes that most people don't know, like even fervent college basketball plans, uh, fans might be able to, to name uh, Manuel Compte, but other than that, you don't know anyone on this on this roster. The Bears proving... Uh, uh, proving to be again uh, a a you know top shelf team essentially or near it in the Big Twelve and making voters look good for putting them in the preseason top twenty five because I think some people thought that might have been too much given that they lost Motley and Motley was so valuable to them last season but right now little little to say other than good things about what Scott Drew's been able to do with this roster I'm not ready to say that this is going to be a team that's quite as good as last year's group which was pretty good but maybe they can get there defensively I like what they've got and uh, that was a, a big time win and a, and a, what will end up being a very valuable win on the resume down the road for the Bears who I think will, will be able to claim a victory over a team that's battling for a four five or six seed in Creighton it uh, looks like Scott Drew's going to be in the NCAA tournament for the fifth consecutive year that is like uh, unimaginable given uh, the program's history and 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 what he inherited so he is um, I think continuing to establish himself, and he's already established himself, but just sort of reinforcing it. Uh, he's one of the the real consistent winners in in college basketball. Like the, they don't seem to be slipping much at all. That's even after they they lose Jonathan Motley early to the NBA draft. Like there's not a Jonathan Motley on this roster. There is not a Terry M. F. and on this roster. Uh, but it still looks like Baylor is going to be in the NCAA tournament. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to to Chester, South Carolina. Uh, Wisconsin lost to UCLA, dropped to 2-3 and three overall, and I did not have the Badgers ranked in the preseason, and I had some Wisconsin fans say, hey, Parrish, didn't you write once upon a time that no matter the roster, you're going to rank uh, Wisconsin in the preseason no matter what? And that is partially true. Uh, but the way I wrote it exactly was as long as Bo Ryan is in charge of the program. Now, I don't mean that as a slight to Greg Gard. He's been terrific uh, replacing um, an icon and recent inductee into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, I don't think they got it this year. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. But it seems pretty clear already they're not a top 25 team. They are, and I didn't have them anywhere uh, near our, the top 25 when I did my 1 to 351 rankings. I uh, had them into mid to late 30s. And I thought was being generous, and I was giving the program a lot of credit. And Hap, Ethan Hap continues to be an awesome player, by the way. Um, I don't know how much you saw that game last night, GP, but because uh, it was actually streaming. It wasn't even on television. Which, I, I watched it. Uh, yeah, as a quick side note here, and I promise we don't have to get off on a tangent here. I have um, just adapted to that nature of watching games uh, flawlessly. Like, it doesn't really – like, if something's not on TV, I just watch it on my computer or a smart TV. Like, it just – it's just second nature there. I think that's going to become more and more of just the existence, particularly, I think, uh, for college fans and college basketball specifically because plenty of games are on TV, but you're also going to have the ability to stream those games. I think this is just going to be something particularly like two, three years down the road. It's just going to be just part of the normal routine, and we'll be like, dude, you remember like in 2007 when we had like four channels, five channels to watch you, and you couldn't even dream about watching it on your phone? Um, I noticed that last night where there were people, a few people were – mentioning that the game was on TV, and yeah, I guess that's kind of a thing, but honestly, it didn't matter to me. Let me let me tell you what to do. If you're a college basketball fan who's going to want to stream this stuff, get Apple TV. Um, the, the Watch ESPN app on Apple TV, and I guess it's the Watch ESPN app anywhere, but I, I bought Apple TV for my office, 
and you can stream four games at the same time on the same screen. Like it's a picture and picture and picture and picture deal. Like it's four, four. Awesome. Yeah. So like I last night I was, I I've got a three TV setup in my office, like one big TV and two smaller ones. So on the big TV I had four games streaming, and then the two little TVs, smaller TVs. Um, you know I had those those those. So I had six different games right in front of me without even using a uh, a computer or a tablet or a phone or anything. But that Apple TV app or the Watch ESPN app on Apple TV. Um, is terrific because you can actually put four different games streaming um, on your television at, at one time. So, yeah, one of those I had was, was Wisconsin-UCLA. Um, obviously, when you're watching six games at the same time, you're not necessarily catching uh, every play, but three-game losing streak for the Badgers, and uh, it doesn't mean they can't get it turned around. Remember, I, it, I think I remember – like when Greg took over for Bo Ryan, it didn't get off to a great start. Isn't that true? Or maybe yeah. there was actually doubt at the time early on if they would be able to, to get it rolling and get to the tournament. Now they obviously end up wound up doing that. Uh, but yeah, the point I was making was was Hap was looking good against Welsh, um, like really, really, really good continually. Like he's still awesome uh, there. With how well he has played, even though Wisconsin does have a good record, he is off to a very good start in contending with any player, and I mean any player in the league for Big Ten Player of the Year, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, GP, I mean, the, the, he's got a lot of young guys around him. I think some of them will develop, like the freshmen will develop into better players. The team is just, they're just okay. Now, they played a tough schedule, but they're just okay right now. It's actually the first time since the 01 02 season. That uh, so 16 years uh, since Wisconsin has lost three of its first five games. If you want to really take a, a travel back in time, that was Devin Harris's. I do want to travel back fresh- in time. I know you do, don't we all? That was uh, Devin Harris's freshman season. So it's been a, it's been a good long while. I think 0102 or 2000 2001. One of those two seasons was also the last time that Wisconsin did not finish in the top four of the Big Ten. That's a famous streak that they're going with, and uh, that looks like it will end this season uh, if these patterns continue to take shape. So it's not the end of the world for Wisconsin. Obviously, this team can can get it going, um, but they're losing, they've lost a lot of chances for good non-conference wins. Could affect seeding. We'll see what happens in the league overall. And on the other side, GP, uh, UCLA really needed that kind of win. Uh, it helps them in a big way. Aaron Holiday is a big-time player. Love that dude's game. And he scored the final 10 points for UCLA, which came back from a deficit to come back and win. Um, Prince Ali looked pretty good in that game as well. Jalen Hands was opportunistic. So it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty good news for the Bruins who, who needed that kind of win after some stumbles to start the season of their own. Uh, looking ahead, Maui Invitational Final is scheduled for late Wednesday night. And that's going to be uh, Notre Dame-Wichita State, two top 15 teams. Um, as far as early season basketball goes, yeah, Champions Classic is as good as it gets with a number one versus number two, Duke-Michigan State, followed by Kentucky-Kansas. But this is pretty good as well. I mean, two of the – we talked about Scott Drew being a consistent winner. I mean, who's more of a consistent winner than Mike Bray or and Greg Marshall? Those two guys, I think, have combined to be in 13 um, – uh, they've made the tournament combined 13 of the past 14 seasons that they've coached. So basically it's, I want to say, maybe six straight for Greg and and seven of eight for Mike Bray. Um, but like you look up every March and they've got um, nationally relevant 
accomplished basketball teams, and they both look terrific so far. I'm really looking forward to this game on Wednesday night. Ah, this is this is the good stuff right here. Um, this was the outcome we wanted to see, just because these are the two best teams in the field out uh, out in Hawaii, and can't wait. Um, interested to see how Wichita State defends Bonzi. Uh, would love to see. I, I'm guessing they'll put Zach Brown on Matt Farrell, but maybe they'll put Zach Brown on Bonzi because he can really guard either of them. Um, but the Shamit Farrell point guard matchup should be terrific. Just to fight. Listen. It's a really fun game. It's going to wind up as a really good win and an acceptable loss. Like, here's the thing. Like, the loss, yeah, you, you want the win. But if you lose this game, both these teams are going to wind up being really good. It's going to be a good loss on the resume eventually. But it's going to be a terrific win, particularly on a neutral uh, for whoever gets it. I'm going to take Wichita State to win here. Uh, I don't – I'm going to guess – do you have the line? I do not know the line. So I'm going to guess the line. My guess is Shockers – Minus, see, they stumbled against Cal, and they were better. Notre Dame looked really good. I'll say, you know what? I'll say Shockers minus two and a half. That's a total guess. I have not seen it. It was not posted early this morning because the game didn't get finalized until late last night. Let me see if I can find it here. Let's see if you can get it. And while GP looks, I want to. I, I want feedback from listeners. GP was mentioning the Apple TV. So uh, on Black Friday, so I, I now fortunately have this off. So um, I'm going to get uh, a TV, but. Uh, so I use Spectrum, and they say that if you use the uh, the Roku stick, I don't actually have to have a cable box. I just plug in the Roku stick, and I can stream everything that I get on my cable box and other uh, TVs in the house with it. But what I want to know from listeners that have any sort of direct experience, should I get a smart TV with the Roku in it? Because apparently I have to get the Roku service. Like I don't know if the Apple TV or the Fire Stick or anything else will work with it. So what I want to know is, does the stick work better than actually having the app within the television. I got to figure there's at least one person listening to this podcast that has had experience with both, and uh, that feedback would be super appreciated before Black Friday comes because now I'm going to be up against it trying to get a, a damn TV, and I don't know. I've got get Apple TV. Yeah, but but I think I can only stream all of the cable channels I get with the Roku. I don't think that I can do it with Apple TV. That That's doesn't make any sense, Norlander. Dude, I'm just telling you what the cable dude told me when I moved in. Okay? I think the cable guy's lying to you. Why would you not be able to? Very well, might be there might be someone with Spectrum that's going to be like, dude, you can just get Apple TV. It's all the same. So it feels like your cable guy might be a liar. <laughs> it could be. What is Spectrum? What are you even talking about? It's you've you've heard you've heard of Charter, right? Charter Communications. No, it's all. It's, what do you use? What is? Oh, you have Direct TV, but like what is provider in Mississippi? Comcast. Comcast. Okay, so I. I don't have Comcast available where I live. I have either what used to be AT&T and now is now known as Frontier, and I have Charter, which is Charter Spectrum is basically the same thing. So, yeah, that's what I have. That doesn't even make any sense. I don't even feel like we live in the same country. We basically What's don't, the, by the way. It's the line. It's not posted. I'm looking. I can't find it posted anywhere. I can tell you what, I can tell you what Kimpom has. What does Kimpom have? Which is going to be within basically a point and a half tops. Kimpom's got Wichita State winning 76-74. Oh, yeah. Okay, so two. Uh, so, yeah, the line's going to be either – it'll be anywhere from one and a half to three and a half points when the line comes out. Um, so, there you go. I would probably – I, 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 I think it's a total coin flip game. I, I would probably take the points. Like, who, like whoever – I just I think it comes down to the final minutes. Somebody's going to make a shot. Somebody's going to miss a shot. And it's like, I think it's going to be a great college basketball game. Um, yeah, I think Wichita State's better. I have uh, Wichita State ranked higher. Um, but if you were if you'd give me three points with either team, 
I would take the points. Um, but yeah, I, I'll take Wichita State to to win the game. Although uh, Notre Dame's really, really good. If both these teams ended up in the Elite Eight, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You are getting ready to leave tomorrow. You're going to the PK80 Phil Knight Invitational. Uh, that's out in Portland. We got the victory bracket and the motion bracket. Uh, so first, who who's in charge of naming the brackets? No, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing with this victory? Like, first off, what is spectrum? I don't even understand that. And then, what right. is, and, so, then uh, and then what is a victory bracket and what is a motion bracket? Do you have to have I, spectrum? I, to, I before- believe Charter is the cable company and spectrum uh, is specifically what does the internet. It's like it's known for its internet, dude. My internet speed is freaking terrific. I'll now. put so, my internet I, speed up against your internet speed any day of the week. Hardwire, how fast are you going? How many megabits? I think I'm, I'm at one. I'm at one ten hardwired. So. Oh no, one ten. I take back what I said. I don't think I can compete with one ten. One ten hardwired Wi-Fi. I'm I'm at about fifty five sixty. Uh, I think I can get you on the uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. One ten hardwire, insane. You looking? But, you looking forward to the victory bracket or the motion bracket? <laughs> okay so hold on so let me yeah let me uh for listeners who obviously don't have these brackets memorized because i'm going to the damn thing and i don't have them memorized victory bracket has north carolina arkansas playing portland arkansas oklahoma yukon oregon michigan state DePaul, north carolina michigan state's probably the desired outcome there but if oregon got there it might be a little interesting the motion one's the bracket that has duke it also has butler versus texas florida stanford ohio state gonzaga they're about even to me. If I had to pick, I would say the victory bracket's a little more interesting. Why? Oklahoma's got Trey Young, could be a NCAA tournament team this season. Arkansas is a really good team no one's paying attention to. If it was able to beat Oklahoma, avenge its NCAA tournament loss against North Carolina, then you're going to see a, a, a big-time push for Arkansas, not only in the polls, but a lot more people paying attention to them. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility by any means that Arkansas team played North Carolina Really, really tough in the NCAA tournament, and more players are returning to that Arkansas team than players are returning to that UNC team. Expect UConn to be a lot better. I do want to see how well it shows up against Oregon uh, on Thursday. That is a nine o'clock Eastern tip, um, and then with Michigan State, uh, Bridges is out. As we mentioned, it's a you know Iso says it's a day to day, and Spartans fans are hurt, certainly. Uh, hoping that it is not a Michael Porter day-to-day situation, but a true day-to-day situation. Um, don't know if he's going to play in this DePaul game, and then we'll see if he doesn't, if he's good enough to play then on Friday, uh, either against UConn or Oregon. We'll see. So there's more intrigue in that bracket. Um, the other one, you know, Duke's going to beat Portland State. Then it's going to get Butler at Texas. I don't expect it to get too much of a push from either team, but I do think Butler and Texas are both going to be in the NCAA tournament. I think Butler's just going to barely sneak in, probably be a Dayton team. Texas, I think, will be maybe a little bit better. Uh, would love to see Marvin Bagley versus Mo Bamba. That's really it. This is a, a lot of this is not just the teams, but the individual player matchups that I'd love to see. That would be tremendous. Uh, so, from a coverage perspective, uh, wouldn't have any issue with Duke and Texas winning. On the bottom half, um, Florida, top 10 team. Not getting a lot of love right now because it doesn't have like this this big time star. Really, really good team. Stanford could really use a good win here. Gonzaga, hey, I, I'm I I'll get to my picks here in a second, but I think Gonzaga is maybe being a little bit underrated. Kind of similar to both teams GP that made the national championship game. Carolina loses all that talent. They're not expected to get back to a Final Four. They're not projected in the preseason as a top ten team. They look damn good on the road against Stanford, and maybe UNC is going to be better than we think. Maybe we have more of that discussion if they end up winning that vaunted victory bracket. Uh, 
And the same you could say for Gonzaga. Makes the national title game, but then loses Zach Collins unexpectedly. Was probably expecting to lose Nigel Williams-Goss, but he's gone none the same. Uh, lost some veteran players on that. Bring plenty back. I think Gonzaga might be better than people are expecting, so I'm intrigued to see how well they play overall. And uh, in the motion back, I'm going to take Gonzaga to upset Duke in the, t- in the title game. Give me the Bulldogs to win. And then in the victory bracket, give me Sparty with Bridges coming back in either uh, Game 2 or Game 3 and beating out North Carolina. Can you imagine being in the room when somebody tried to... I know. Tried to say, hey, I got an idea. It's just like, we, should, it? we should name one bracket the victory bracket and the other bracket the motion bracket. I would have punched that person in the throat as long as it wasn't a woman, of course. I'd have punched them right in the throat and said, what are you doing? Like, we got this amazing event with all these big... <laughs> Sure, we got we got all these big brands coming to Portland to participate in this amazing event, and you try to name it the victory bracket and the motion bracket, nerd. I know. And then what I you, punched them right you, in the throat. Right. What would yeah. I have named it? Yeah, I would have named the, it the, the swoosh, and then it was something that's not swoosh, right? Swoosh should have been one of them. I don't. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have. First off, I wouldn't have done it like this. I'd have had one big tournament. Well, you can do that, but then if you do one big tournament, you can't have. Yeah. Teams from the same conference in because that's like yes you can why can't you you always say I stuff do not like believe that, that allow- I don't think the conferences literally would allow that ha- to happen like the- I I think it is in the league bylaws that Duke cannot play North Carolina in a tournament like this I would I would I, I think that's something Coach K could probably get changed <laughs> <laughs> I if you okay you got to split it up into two events <laughs> I, w- I just wouldn't name the brackets. <laughs> Just say that, that we're having two events. Like I'd rather, I'd rather the brackets be nameless. Like, why do we have to name the brackets? If you can't think of good, if you can't think, of, you can't just be like, oh, this bracket and that bracket. Like you can't. Do. Yes, you can. You can say Duke's in one bracket and North Carolina's in the other bracket. That's what I would name them. I would name them this bracket and the other brackets. <laughs> I would say I think Duke. I think I'm looking. Stop this out all the way. I think uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Duke, Florida in this bracket, and then in the other bracket. My uh, Arkansas is a sleeper pick to get to the championship game. I want food recommendations from people in Portland, by the way. That's not Voodoo Donut. I'm going to be going to Voodoo Donut. Don't worry. But I need I need a, a wreck or two because uh, I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be an awesome event. I actually wonder if it's so good if they don't get tempted to do something like this again. Uh, I'm not convinced that that won't happen. It's being billed as a one-time only thing. But... Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It'll be it'll be cool to have this kind of stuff also for the fans on, you know, plenty of plenty of people prefer college hoops to the NFL. Um, they'd love to have that option, even secondary at the very least. Um, so that should be uh, pretty great. And this will be going late into the night on the East Coast. That Gonzaga Ohio State game is the last tip on Thursday, I think. Yeah, and that's a nine o'clock scheduled time on Pacific. So that's a, it's a midnight tip Eastern long after you've passed out. And um uh, yeah, man. You're going to the Emerald Coast Classic. You want to break that down real quick? What's the name of that bracket? It's just the Emerald Coast Classic. It's a t- traditional uh, tournament with a name, no name for the bracket, which is the way, like, we don't need to name brackets. That's the point I was trying to make. But I promise you this. By the time we have record our next podcast, I will have brainstormed, and I will come up with proper names for the brackets. I don't think you should name brackets, but if we got to name brackets, I will come up with better brackets than the victory bracket and the motion bracket. That's my promise from me to you. Emerald Coast Classic, it's Maryland St. Bonaventure and then New Mexico TCU and the winners play each other and the losers play each other. So what are we looking at probably? Maryland TCU? Yeah, probably. But if Jalen Adams is healthy, you never know. 
hey, you, sure. hey, good analysis, Norlander. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> what, what if that's what if every time you ask me for a prediction, I say, you know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, but I you, don't, I don't know. You never know. No. You know, you never know. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. Sokovo, uh, please go do that. Uh, it makes a difference. We appreciate it. And we're going to be back in a few days. Norlander will be in uh, Portland, Oregon. I will be in Niceville, Florida. So we'll be on opposite I- ends of the United States of America. Hopefully, neither of us will be stuck trying to watch anything on Spectrum. <laughs> we'll talk to you. <laughs> Till then, uh... Take care.